This is a Mirakami Minute presented by the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. It's Mirakami time! Mirakami, Mirakami, Mirakami. You excited? Yeah. We, uh, this might be a Mirakami hour because we decided we're just going to finish the book. There's four stories, they're longer, but we're just going to knock it all out in one go. Uh, so this might be a little longer than the Mirakami minutes that have already bloated up to 30 minutes each mm. from the original 15 minutes we were hoping for. The first story in the Elephant Vanishes finale, uh, The Dancing Dwarf. I really like this Yeah, this story. was the one I was telling you about last week. This was the most Mirakami. And when I keep telling you about the Mirakami weirdness, this is the prime example. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. So it starts Without off- explaining any of it. No, no, that's why Mirakami's great. He doesn't explain the weirdness. So it starts off with a guy having a dream where he meets a dancing dwarf. And boy, can this dwarf dance. Uh, he's in the woods, and the dwarf pretty much tells him, he's like, oh, I'm never, I'm like, when he's about to wake up or whatever, he's like, I'm never going to meet you again. The dwarf's like, oh, yeah, and you're going to live in this forest forever. And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever, dwarf. And then I'm like, okay, so that was like the weird part of the story, right? <laughs> yeah. It just goes into this guy He's just talking about his day job now. He wakes up and he goes to his day job where he works at an elephant making factory. Yeah. It's like, what? He works in this huge factory where they reconstitute elephants out of various parts of other elephants or something to make more elephants because elephants don't uh, breed fast enough for the, I guess, this world where they like elephants a lot. Well, there was some kind of like revolution. Well, we'll get to that. But so they have to breed these elephants. Well, no, they they make the elephants. I mean, they have to make these elephants uh, because they don't breed fast enough. And like you get to, like you have to switch out. So one week you're making ears, the other one you're doing the legs. Like so, it's this big process. It's very fucking weird. Uh, but it's played off completely normal. Like this is just like again how Mirakami does. This is just that's what this guy does. He yeah. just he makes elephants perfectly normal. Well, it also feel, it feels like this factory is like its own like town kind of. Yeah. Like, the, like there's not like there's the forest around it, but it doesn't. Seem I like almost got like a Santa's elves kind of vibe where it's just like that's where they live. It's like that's all they do in this area is make elephants. Yeah. Very cool descriptions of how they make the elephants too, but I'm not gonna go into that because we don't have time. So a brief rundown is this guy finds out there's a hot chick. A new chick. A new chick. She's hot and he wants to make it with her. But he don't believe his buddies because, you know, guys, you know, they lie. They say the chick's super hot, but they're not always that hot. Well, he finds this lady. He goes, uh, he kind of slimes his way into um, mm-hmm. the, the leg making department mm-hmm. that he's not scheduled in. And he like tricks the security to get in there. And he sees her and she's hot and she's very dismissive as one, does not want anything to do with him. Um, I forget if this came before or after, but he meets, uh, cause he tells his buddy about the dwarf dream cause it's a very weird dream. And, uh, he ends up going to the tavern they have on the premises and he tell, uh, there's like this old guy there who's worked there before this revolution that supposedly happened. So he worked there forever and he like points to a picture on the wall of like a little kid. He's like, that's me. And it was like fucking hundred yeah, years ago. Yeah, because the uh, the friend that he talked to about the dwarf... Yeah, told him, ask that guy, because he's really old. Yeah, he's the only person that would uh, probably have known about the dwarf. So, he goes and talks to this guy, buys him a couple rounds, and then the guy goes on and uh, tells him all about this dwarf, and this dwarf was like this great dancer, and everyone was captivated, and the bar ended up paying this dwarf to dance. And then he became so famous that the king wanted the dwarf. 
They brought the dwarf in front of the, the king, and he danced, and he blew everyone away. Fucking blew the roof off of that castle. And then they're entranced by the stupid dwarf and his dancing. And then something bad happened. There was a revolution, and they kind of blamed the dwarf for the revolution. I don't think it really goes into why they, like, overthrew the kingdom. Like, the whatever people. Mm. The, I don't know if it was the elephant factory or whatever. So they have this big revolution. And the dwarf disappears, and that's it. And you're not allowed to talk about the dwarf. It's like 80 years later. They're still looking for this guy. Yeah, you can't even mention... You can't even yeah. say the word dwarf, I think. Yeah. You can't you, say the D word. No. We get to the point where, you know, fast forward a little bit. This guy... Because he, when he was talking to the girl in the fa- the factory, he asked her if she wanted to go out dancing. She said no. and uh, But she did say she was going to go dancing by herself. And if he just happened to be there, okay. So... This guy wants to go and, uh, you know, he wants to do her pretty much is what he says. Well, he has another dream, talks to the dwarf again, tells the dwarf about his problem. The dwarf seemed really nice at first. Uh, Don't they always? They always do. They always do. So he talks to the dwarf and the dwarf is like, hey, you know, I have a proposition for you. I know how you can make this lady fall in love with you and you can smash mash. Here's what you do. I go in your body. Already creepy. Well, well, even before that, he tried to. He like he does a good job of like like you said being nice at first because he's like he's like I could I could I could train you how to uh to dance and he's like oh that'd be awesome how long would it take oh about like six months or so and he's like oh no that'd be too he long so time, some yeah. some other guy will swoop in and take her and he's like well there's this other option yeah so he he pretty much says hey I can go in the body and I'll just dance for you with your body. And then, but the guy's smart. He's like, no, stupid dwarf. I know what you're going to do. You're going to keep my body. And he's like, well, I can't unless you agree to it. So there's no way that would happen. So I have a proposition for you. You can do this. You could do this stupid, you know, this scheme they came up with where you dance and she's going to fall in love with you because the dwarf's such a good dancer. But if you say one word, make any sound. For the whole night. I, until she has sex with the girl. Uh, he has to have sex with the girl. And then it'll this whole deal, like the dwarf will leave his body. But if he makes a sound before that, he loses and the dwarf keeps his body forever. So he's like, well, I don't want that. That sounds awful. He's like, come on, that seems pretty easy. Like, you could do that. And the guy thinks about it. He's like, yeah, I can do that. I can just not make a noise. So he does. He, he makes the deal. Dwarf goes into his body. And again, the dwarf still seems pretty friendly at this point. Like, you don't seem, it doesn't seem like it's going to be like an evil thing that happens. So the guy goes to the the tavern, does his dancing, doesn't say a word. Girl falls in love with him right on the spot because of his amazing dancing. Takes her to the woods, as they do in this village, and uh, he lays her out in the field in the grass. And he's going to make sweet love to her. And she is the most beautiful girl he's ever seen. And then the most nightmarish fucking scene. I'm going to read this whole scene. This is the most nightmarish scene I think I've ever read in a mere comic book. Like, it was like, good Lord. It just gets worse and worse. Yeah, it was uh, pretty uh, creepy there for, you know, that little <laughs> section. I was, It kind of threw me off at first, you You're know. Like, what the? Because you just think it's going to be like a sex scene, and it's not sexy. Yeah, especially considering, like, the past stuff we've heard with him and his sex scenes and stuff like yeah. that. This was nothing like that. Okay, so I'm going to read this whole... This is going to be a little bit of a reading here, but I just... This whole scene needs to be read out loud. It's amazing. So he's in the field with her, and he's about to make sweet whoopee with this lady. And I remember, though, he can't make a noise, so he's going to have a silent orgasm. <laughs> he needs to put it in, wiggle it around, and then he'll be free of the uh, the stupid dwarf. We left the dance hall and walked along the river. I had no car, so we just kept walking and walking. Soon the road began its gradual climb into the hills. The air became filled with the perfume of white night-blooming flowers. 
I turned to see the dark shapes of the factory spread out below. From the dance hall, yellow light spilled out onto its immediate surroundings like so much pollen, and one of the orchestras was playing a jump tune. The wind was soft, and the moonlight seemed to drench her hair. It's already a beautiful scene, unfortunately. Ooh, they're gonna get romantic. Yeah. Neither of us spoke. After such dancing, there was no need to say anything. She clung to my arm like a blind person being led along the road. And this is a Jay Rubin translation, by the way. The, uh, the other stories I didn't care so much for were, again, Alfred Birnbaum. I don't like Alfie's work. I think, uh, though, I think Final Rubin st- did the, the last story. He did the last story, yes. Topping the hill, the road led into an open field surrounded by pine woods. The broad expanse looked like a calm lake. Evenly covered in waist-high grass, the field seemed to dance in the night wind. Here and there, a shining flower poked its head into the moonlight, calling out to insects. Here's where they're about to get romantic. Putting my arm around her shoulders, I led her to the middle of the grassy field, where, without a word, I lowered her to the ground. You're not much of a talker, she said with a smile. She tossed her shoes away and wrapped her arms around my neck. I kissed her on the lips and drew back from her, looking at her face once again. She was beautiful, as beautiful as a dream. I still could not believe I had her in my arms like this. She closed her eyes, waiting for me to kiss her again. And you read that, and you're like, oh, man, they're going to get it now. He's going to touch your boobies. But then, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just, immediately, it's just so, it's just so abrupt. I was just like, what the fuck? And it's like, I don't think any other story in this collection had anything close to the scene either. Yeah, I was going to say, this is probably the closest to horror. Yeah, it's that just I've read, straight horror. That I've read out of his stuff. So he, I had her in my arms like this. She closed her eyes, waiting for me to kiss her again. That was when her face began to change. A fleshy white thing crept out of one nostril. It was a maggot, an enormous maggot, larger than any I had ever seen before. Then came another, and another, emerging from both her nostrils, and suddenly the stench of death was all around us. Maggots were falling from her mouth to her throat, crawling across her eyes and burrowing into her hair. The skin of her nose slipped away, the flesh beneath melting until only two dark holes were left. From these, still more maggots struggled to emerge, their pale white bodies smeared with the rotting flesh that surrounded them. Pus began to pour from her eyes, the sheer force of it causing her eyeballs to twitch, then fall and dangle to either side of her face. In the gaping cavern behind the sockets, a clot of maggots like a ball of white string swarmed in her rotting brain. Oh, gross! Her tongue dangled from her mouth like a huge slug, then festered and fell away. Her gums dissolved, the white teeth dropping out one by one, and soon the mouth itself was gone. Blood spurted from the roots of her hair, and then each hair fell out. From beneath the slimy scalp, more maggots ate their way through the surface. Arms locked around me, the girl never loosened her grip. I struggled vainly to free myself, to avert my face, to close my eyes. A hardened lump in my stomach rose to my throat, but I could not disgorge it. I felt as if the skin of my body had turned inside out. By my ear resounded the laughter of the dwarf. The girl's face continued to melt until suddenly the jaw popped open, as if from a sudden twisting of the muscles, and clots of liquefied flesh and pus and maggots sprang in all directions. Oh, God. I sucked my breath in to let out a scream. I wanted someone, anyone, to drag me away from this unbearable hell. In the end, however, I did not scream. This can't be happening, I said to myself. This can't be real. I knew almost intuitively the dwarf is doing this. He's trying to trick me. He's trying to make me use my voice. One sound and my body will be forever his. That is exactly what he wants. Yeah, I got this is also gross. I guess I have to read this too. <laughs> now I knew what I had to do. I closed my eyes, this time without the least resistance, and I could hear the wind moving across the grassy field. 
The girl's fingers were digging into my back. Now I wrapped my arms around her and drew her to me with all my strength, planting a kiss upon the separating flesh where it seemed to me her mouth had once been. Against my face I could feel the slippery flesh and the maggoty lumps, my nostrils filled with the putrid smell. But this lasted only a moment. When I opened my eyes, I found myself kissing the beautiful girl I had come here with. So, that was disturbing. <laughs> and essentially, he did not give in to the dwarf's ruse. He kisses the beautiful girl. All is right, but the dwarf is like, no, I will get you one day. It'll happen, and over and over I'll try until I get you. You won this time, but I will win ultimately, and you will dance in the forest forever. Uh, paraphrasing there. But that's essentially what is supposed to happen, according to this dwarf. And what ends up happening is because he spoke to his friend about the dwarf, uh, the dwarf police, <laughs> that's what I'm calling them, the dwarf police were on this guy's tail, and his life was pretty much ruined. He had to leave his elephant factory and the girl, because she told him, like, she snuck out and was like, hey, these people are coming for you. So he had to, uh, I don't know, he's, like, eating bugs in the woods and, like, you know, running cave to cave, town to town. Whatever he could do, he's trying to escape, but they're hot on his trail, and uh, it's pretty much insinuated that he's going to eventually lose if he doesn't kill himself or die somehow. And he's going to be in the dwarf's hands and the dwarf is going to make him dance in the forest forever. Uh, I love that story. Yeah, it was really good. It was very well written, as you can see by the descriptions of uh, the gross scene. Way better than fucking Chuck Palahniuk's Haunted. Sorry. Sorry. It's just, it's just like, that's how you do gross right, in my opinion. Oh, the word festering always gets me uh, hot and bothered. <laughs> yeah, that was good. So the next story... <laughs> Uh, because like I said, that was my favorite out of these last stories. Uh, actually, I think that that was my favorite in the whole collection. That would probably, yeah. I really enjoyed that story. Like I liked a couple, like the, uh, little green monster and the, uh, one with the, with the, what was that fucking, the one with the girl that was like getting attacked in a car at the end. What was the name of that one? Oh, sleep. Sleep. Yes. I don't know. I forgot that. This next one is called The Last Lawn of the Afternoon. It's about a guy who reminisces on his time as a student uh, when he mowed lawns and his girlfriend broke up with him. Uh, this was a weird story. I didn't really take much away from this. It was just kind of a guy who really liked mowing lawns. I, I liked What I liked about it was that it was very well, well written. Yeah. Like, it was... Written in a way that made, like, the lawn work kind of, like, interesting. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But, yeah, there wasn't really much to it because, like, you know, after a while, like, he quits to go back because he has to go back to school. Yeah, and he has one more job. And yeah, it's the just boss so, like, is like, well, can you at least give me another week to give you some time to replace you? I'll give you a bonus, you know, and stuff like that. So he goes to cut this old lady's house. You know, this old it's lady's like a house. middle-aged drunk. Yeah, her husband died recently, so she needed yeah. to do, and he did like just as good a job as the husband used to yeah. do, and so she invites him in. They had they they had a couple beers, and then she led her down to this room, like the, her, like her daughter's room. room. And this, I was expecting some weird shit to happen here. Yeah, this, this whole is, time there was very weird vibes from this lady, and I was thinking like she was gonna try to do him. Or there's gonna be some sexual nature, but then when she led him to that room, I was like, "Oh, the daughter is gonna be like dead or something." Or first, I thought the husband's body was gonna be in. like some. I was thinking all these weird things, but none of it happened. You know what? I almost thought at first that the uh, like that was gonna be like the mom of the girlfriend that like broke, broke up, up. W broke up with. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, that was also a possibility. I was thinking, but. It turned out she just like made him go through all the girl's stuff in her room, which had like a month's worth of dust, and just pretty much like break down what he thought of this girl he never met. Like, you know, you know, what kind of person do you think she is? And I guess it's insinuated that she was in college 
I don't think it's explicitly stated. And then he ends up just leaving and he's very tired from work and that's it. Like, it's not much of a story. Like, it was very well written, very good human elements to it. Like, this woman, you see, like, she obviously had some big tragedy mm. and she's left alone. Uh, but I didn't really... I didn't really care enough to take much away from it. I didn't think it was that great. This would be a good uh, example of like a um, a character study kind of thing. You know what I mean? Well, like if you had yeah. like a like you know if you had a writing assignment or you wanted to just like um, different like yeah like different character study like how different people would handle things like how would you write a specific type of character like she was the alcoholic. Other than, like I, like I said, I didn't take much away from that. It was an okay story. It wasn't, like, boring or anything. It just, like, I thought something was going to happen and nothing ever ended up happening. Uh, next up is Silence. Uh, this is about a guy and his buddy working at an airport, and it starts off, the guy asks his buddy, he's like, hey, you ever uh, punch a guy out or something like that? And the guy gets very mad, and then he explains, because he's, like, a boxer, and then he explains, like, this whole, he goes into this whole thing. And this whole story was pretty much about, uh, you know, like, the consequences of your actions. Which is also, this was the only story that I think, other than the Noboru guy, that gave anybody names. Yeah. I think the guy's name was like Ozaka or something. And then the uh, his arch nemesis in high school was this kid named Aoki, who was just kind of like a smart, popular kid that he just he just didn't like for whatever reason. He doesn't even know why. He just didn't like the kid. kid didn't like him. It was one of those things. He said he wanted to do, a, like, he made some deal with his parents when he was in school that if he got really good on this one test, he would get something he wanted. He didn't remember what it was. Got really good on the test, beat the Aoki kid in the test. Uh, the kid spread a rumor that he was cheating. He ends up punching out the kid. Like three years go by when until they're in high school. And then um, the kid gets his revenge in the stupidest ways. Like just like the snarky asshole kid. Like one of the kids in the school, it's because it's like in Japan, they have uh, when you go like the entrance exams to get into school. Like that's like a really stressful time and suicides are really high. I don't know if they are currently like... Uh, in like the last 10 years or so, but I know used to be, they yeah. was like a very stressful situation. Because even in school, you're just a loser. Uh, you'd have to go work at like a trade or you'd be a bum. So it was like a very stressful situation to get in good schools. Now, our protagonist of the story, he's just like, he boxes and stuff and he, like he trains for boxing. He's pretty good. And he doesn't really care about studying. He reads a lot, but he doesn't care about school. So he like already got into like a okay, like little school. So he's not really worried about the, the tests and stuff. But one kid killed himself and in the suicide note, it just said he didn't want to go to school anymore. Well, the Aoki kid, it's not actually stated that he did this. It's just the protagonist thinks it was him and pretty much probably yeah. was him. Uh, he spreads a rumor that the protagonist, um, because he hit him three years previously, and like they made a thing about if you're a boxer and you hit somebody, it's considered like assault with a deadly weapon in Japan, I guess. Well... He, you know, because he assaulted him. And granted, like, he hit him before he even started boxing. Like, like he, he was boxing, but he didn't actually put on gloves or anything. He, he was still just, like, working, like, getting into shape yeah. to even get into the ring. So he didn't get in trouble for that. But I guess this Aoki kid said, because the, I forget the kid's name, but the one that committed suicide was getting bullied a lot and beat up and his lunch money stolen. And the Aoki kid, he, uh... Because he was very smart, so he didn't just go out and say that the protagonist was the one doing it. He just put the thought into, like, the headmaster's head and everybody's head that maybe he was. He hit me. Well, Why wouldn't he hit this kid? Well, yeah, well, I think what he did was, like, how he spread the rumor about him cheating years before. I think he started to spread the rumor yeah. that the protagonist was hit. And then so it finally got to the head, you know, to the headmaster. Yeah. And then uh, 
And like this just eats up the guy, like the protagonist. Like he was really sick about even hitting him. As soon as he hit him three years previously, he uh, three years prior when he hit him, he just felt like sick. Like immediately he was like, "Oh, I wish I didn't do that." He, he, that's, that's not the kind of guy he is. So when this happened, and then everyone gave him the cold shoulder, nobody would talk to him for months at a time, and it kind of got to the point where he like it didn't say, but he was thinking about committing suicide. He said he was close to the danger zone. Yeah. So like while that was going on. He just kind of was like, I got to, like, he was stopped boxing for a while, wasn't eating. He was losing weight, wasn't yeah. sleeping. Well, one day he's on the subway or the bullet train or whatever it is, and he runs into the Aoki guy, and they have, like, a stare down, and then it all just clicks into place. Like, this guy's just, like, a surface-level loser. Like, he takes such pride in what he's doing to me, and, like, who would do that? And, uh, like, there's this, this big spiel about, you know, all this like how he's feeling and stuff, and then finally he almost feels like grief towards the guy and pities him, and then he just feels better, goes back to what he's doing, just takes the being ignored for, because there's only like so many months left in school. And then, you know, he graduates, and then it's back in the airport, and he's telling me, it's pretty much like a philosophy thing, but mainly it's about, you know, the consequences of your actions. Uh, there was one really cool quote in here I liked. Um, we'll read that. But what what did you ultimately think of the story? I liked I, it. I yeah, I liked I liked this story. I I like the um like the the character uh, breakdowns were really good, yeah. like how the Oki kid is and stuff like that. Oh, you know, we yeah, we're always talking about like you know themes and stuff, and that I I enjoyed like the hey, we might put too much stock into like these tests and trying to get into a good school. And putting all this, these pressures on kids at a young age. Yeah. And then the uh, how quick your peers will turn on you without even any proof. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just And then won't even give you, like, the shadow of the doubt. Like, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed those kind of things and what I, what I think he was trying to do, you know, with the story there. Yeah, I thought this was, like, a really good story from that aspect. So I'm just going to read this paragraph, but there's the one quote at the end here I really liked. This was after he punched Aoki uh, when they were in eighth grade. I considered apologizing to Aoki, but I didn't. If it had been anybody else by, but Aoki, I probably would have apologized. I simply couldn't bring myself to apologize to the creep. And he calls him a lot of that slime and creep. Mm. I was sorry I hit Aoki, but not sorry enough to say I was sorry. I love that line. Yeah. I was sorry, but not sorry enough to say I was sorry, which pretty much means you weren't sorry. <laughs> like, that's sorry. Where are you? He's like, I'm sorry that I hit him, but the person that I'm hit, I'm yeah. not sorry about hitting them. <laughs> He's sorry for his action. He, he Like, the whole thing about consequences, he regrets the action, but not to who he did it to. He mm. fuck, fuck that guy. Uh, and that guy did seem like a weasel, especially, like, when he describes the scene between them on the subway, because they don't say a word, but just, like, the smirk the guy has on his face, and it's just like, hey, hey, I ruined your life. Like, that's the kind of vibe you get. It's like, who would do that? But then, just the way I said that, like, that's from the protagonist's point of view. It's just like, wow, like, that's all you have? Yeah. Like, that's all you are is just to, like, make my life? But, like, that's what you take pride in is making my life hard? You must be pathetic. Because what I like to think is that, like, my own head canon is that Aoki is the one that was beating up on the student. Very that possible, killed, that yeah. killed himself. Like, you know, that's that's what I like to think. And then so you, he took something that he did and blamed it on, you know, on, on the protagonist. The elephant vanishes. We come to the title story. Title story. This story was kind of weird, too, but I can't say I enjoyed it at all. Granted, I just read it on the couch while you came yeah. over 10 minutes early. And I uh, had to get done with it, so I kind of sped, you know, speed reading. But, like, it starts off with this city. They have, like, a zoo or something. They have an ele- old elephant. 
And then they like the dude. What if the zoo goes out of business, disbands, whatever? So they get you know send all the animals to other places, but they have this old elephant they can't do anything with. It's like twenty yeah, something years old. Because no other zoo wants it. Who wants the, an old elephant? Yeah. Zoos have elephants. Like that's one animal most zoos don't need is an elephant. So they're just like, well, I guess he's abandoned. What do we do with him? And then uh, there's this big thing about how like the town's gonna buy him. Because mm. uh, yeah, there's like a contractor that wants to do something to where the land the zoo used to be or something. Yeah, right? and they're trying to figure out like. Should the developer pay for it? Should the town folks pay yeah. for it? Like, why would the townspeople adopt? Like, the beginning of it is very weird because it's written like uh, almost like a contractor. So it's like the pros and cons as some kind of guidelines of like, why would the town want the elephant? Mm. Why wouldn't they want the elephant? Uh, pretty pointless, I thought. And then ultimately, they get the stupid elephant. He's old, and the trainer that came with him, which is also old guy, Mr. Noboru Watanabe. Again, the same name as the uh, two other character the cat from the first story and then the uh guy from the brother sister story i've heard the name of that story also what story was it there was one where guy eats oh the lawnmower story the guy eats spaghetti and hates it sort of the mirakami's had some bad spaghetti he either loves spaghetti or hates spaghetti well i think he just hates bad spaghetti well yeah so i could tell every story he's written that has the bad spaghetti i'm thinking he must have had bad spaghetti when he's writing this Mm -hmm. he wanted to lash out like the old angry Japanese guys that are uh, causing ruckus on subways and stuff. That's Mirakami's like fucking stupid spaghetti. Surprised he doesn't name and shame the restaurant. But anyway, so they it's like just kind of get this uh, small little build up of like the trainer and the elephant, and, like how they get along and stuff. And then I I don't know is he a protagonist? This guy's telling the story. I guess he uh, is there and he likes elephants and. Uh, long story short, the elephant just randomly vanishes. Uh, Along with the, the keeper. Yeah, and there's no way it could have escaped or been let out because, like, the keys for the enclosure are locked one in the police precinct, the other in, like, the fire hall or something, and they're in safe, so you couldn't do that. Couldn't have got out of its shackles unless you sawed its leg off. Had 10-foot iron bars surrounding the place. Like, there's no way this elephant Yeah, could've, there could've... was, like, the gates won't open, nothing was broken down. Yeah, so the elephant just vanished, apparently, and people were like, what the fuck? And then slowly they just start, like, you know, it's a big story, obviously, but then slowly they start forgetting about it. Uh, Some people say it was a government scam because, you know, they got the taxpayers' dollars for it. Well, also because in the beginning of the story, the the protagonist, he he has, like, a a scrapbook of all of, like, from the elephant, from when I'm getting it until, or from the whenever the elephant first vanishes, until, like, weeks and weeks out of, like, you know, them trying to figure what out. So he has, like, this, like, almost, like, serial killer, like, yeah. book collect, you know, collection. Yeah, book of the elephant. Yeah, it was very weird. And then he ends up meeting this girl. Like, years later, right? Yeah. Is it, this is a story that the guy works at a, it's almost like. It's another one, like, those ad firms. Or... It was literally the exact same scenario as the one with the, uh. Not the underpants gnomes, mm. the uh, TV people. The TV, because the guy worked is for an electronics company and yeah. the ad thing. And then the woman that he meets works for like a female woman's magazine thing, uh, which is the same as the married couple in that other story. But anyway, so they meet and they're getting along real good and they're having like a great dinner and they're probably going to do it and get married and just, you know, life's going to be awesome. But then he ends up bringing up the stupid elephant and he immediately regrets it. He has to tell her and then she gets super invested in it. And then he describes how he was the last one to actually see the elephant, and he watched from some spot that he found that nobody else knew about, 
Uh, he was watching the elephant and the trainer, and they were like being best friends or whatever they do. And then all of a sudden, the elephant kind of was like shrinking. It appeared he, to it be shrinking. It seemed like he was shrinking. And then they turned off the lights so he didn't see what happened, but he assumed it shrunk down to get, be able to get out of there. Um, and it was also like the only quote unquote p- plausible. Yeah, only thing that made sense. And then I think he doesn't end up talking to that girl again because it was kind of a weird situation. But he ends the story with him talking about how, like, his perception has changed and he doesn't know if what he sees is real because, you know, the way, like, the balance. It was all about the balance. Uh, He didn't know if the balance in life was real or something. And it's just, I, again, these these in this whole collection, these stories were very hit or miss for me. The ones that hit, I really liked. The ones that missed, I just, just like I didn't really care. Like the obsessive stories we read at the, mm-hmm. the, the beginning, I was like, I don't really care about these. But uh, so overall, I still I give this four out of five whiskey shots. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I mean I like Mirakami anyway. Uh, but I like the really weird stories in here. Like some of the weirdness was uh, really good, and even the ones that weren't that good as as far as a story perspective, like they're right they're, the way they're, they were written were, was very well done. Yeah. So what do you give it? I'd say, yeah, I'd say four is a. Four out of five is a is a fair. Um, and my favorite stories in here were number one, the dwarf, the dancing dwarf. I really like that. Uh, TV people probably because I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Uh, I like the sleep story, and I like the little green monster. Yeah, I I like the brother and sister story. Yeah, I like that story I a lot that too. Was, that was pretty uh, entertaining. Like we had the the one with the really long name. The guys with the journal entries, like about Hitler and yeah, the fall of Rome. Yeah, that was kind of dumb. We had the one where the guy wrote the, uh, he worked in the complaint department and he was like stalking the chick and he sends her like an audio recording. Mm, yeah. I didn't care for that one either. Well, Lederhosen. I like Lederhosen. I thought that was all right. The Burning Bonds was kind of interesting. When the guy, like he was like friends with this chick and then she brought over this other dude, like real like rich dude who who just every once oh, in a yeah, while. Oh yeah, the burning barns. Yeah, that was a good one. The second bakery attack was good too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the kangaroo communique? Well, that was like a weird one. That that was the um. Well, that was one of the excessive ones. Like I'm pretty sure, like where the isn't that the, that's the one where the dude sat on the porch recording the thing. That's the one we record. What was the one where the guy uh. Going through this fantasy of meeting this lady that he was going to be, like, the perfect person for him. Uh, Let me just look. On seeing the 100% perfect gore, 100 beautiful, one beautiful April morning. Yeah, I didn't care for that one either. Uh, The Wind Up Bird and Tuesday's Women was just the first chapter of the Wind Up Bird Chronicle, so I can't really judge that one. Uh, The second bakery attack was good. The kangaroo community I didn't really care for. Uh, The perfect girl one I didn't care for. The sleep one I really liked. The fall of the Roman Empire and all that other shit I thought was weird. Uh, not in a great way. Uh, I like Lederhosen. I like, like Barn Burning. I like the Little Green Monster. I like Family Affair. A Window. Which one was a window? Oh, crap. Which one was that? Hmm. That one's not ringing any bells. Let me go to it. 187. The windows. windows to the wall to the sweat drip from my <laughs> no don't say that Spencer uh you hated a a slow boat to China did I hate that one that was the one with the three story the the three different stories of all the Chinese people that he met I just thought that was kind of pointless I didn't hate it I just didn't think there was anything there 
Oh, the window is the one about the hamburger steak. The guy that worked for the pen writing company. Oh, okay, yeah. That one's okay. It was a little weird too, but again, that would have been another good like character study kind of thing. Yeah, that was all right. Uh, TV people I like. Slowboat to China wasn't that good. The Dancing Dwarf I love. Yeah, so we we covered the rest. So we, I think we ended up liking more than not. I I dislike maybe five stories. And it wasn't even that I just like them. It was just like they were kind of, you know, they weren't really. Those were the ones that weren't really stories. I I really want like that the um the Elephant Factory the one um, is a book. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, just that universe expanding. Yeah, I just want to know what's going on there. If you want like Mirakami's world though that he creates, that's pretty much it. Like in his books, it's just like. He makes things that are that weird seem perfectly normal. Because the way he was talking about their jobs, it was like, yeah, that's okay. That's the job. Right. You just immediately go into, yeah, that's the job. That's what it entails. That's what it would be like. But then you have to stop and be like, no, that's fucking insane. <laughs> Why would you make elephants out of random elephant parts? And what, like, too, and then I just, I really like the, the scene when he is bullshitting his way through the guard to yeah. let him in, like, I was like, that's such a work thing. Like, yeah. that's something that somebody would do at work is they're fucking off somewhere, not doing something <laughs> that they're supposed to do. We've done that many yeah. times. Uh, so, overall, Elephant Vanishes, worth the read. I recommend yeah. that to people. And uh, Definitely over the um, the the uh, first-person singular. Yeah, the first-person singular just wasn't Mirakami to me. I don't, I don't know. I didn't get... There was, that had, like, one weird story in it, I think. I don't, I couldn't even, I don't even remember which one that was. The, talk, like, the Talking Monkey. Talking Monkey story. Yeah, the Talking Monkey story. It's going to be a while before we do another Mirakami minute. I... Oh, kind of leaning towards well, doing a novel, maybe. Well, I was gonna, I was wondering, do you like for this next segment? Do we still continue to go with Mirakami, or should we? Are you Mirakami, or or should we, uh, like pivot for a little bit to make like a different author? Well, then it wouldn't be a Mirakami minute. No, but I mean, it obviously, it wouldn't be a Mirakami minute, but it would be like whatever else minute or whatever. You know, we'll we'll probably get more downloads if we did like a author more people. That just casual reading. I mean, know. we're writers. We could probably come up with a, you know, a, ca- a catchy title. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so we're just not always doing, like, Mirakami, Mirakami. Like, you know what I mean? Not that I don't, That's going to spiral out into the King's Court. <laughs> uh, <Polynix> pad. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking. I, I was trying to think of one for gaming, but it just came off wrong in my head. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, something for gaming. And just, yeah, we could just keep going. Um Hit eighty podcasts later, just it's just like a head of a hydra. Hydra just cut one off. <laughs> two more show up. Yeah, I, I the original reasoning. Bef- one, I just want like why I created this was one. I wanted you to read Mirakami. Yeah, and that was a good excuse uh, for me to knock out some of his short story collections I haven't read. That's the main reason behind it. But also, I just think more people should read Mirakami because he's one of those authors you either get or like not to sound like a pompous, you know, pretentious douche. You either get or you don't. You either like his style or you just don't like. Mm-hmm. There seems to be nobody that I haven't talked to too many people who are like, Mirakami's eh? he's okay. I can read it or I cannot read him. Usually it's like people really love his work or don't, or they just don't want to read it at all, which is like a lot of people feel that way about Hemingway. It's just the writing style. It either gets you or it doesn't. Yeah, it's just what you like. You seem to enjoy like the way he handles the mundane details in like these worlds that he creates. And then you get to the fantastical elements on top of that. It just makes the what was mundane seem so much more realistic that mm-hmm. it makes the fantastical stuff seem realistic. So when you got, uh, 
you know, a guy dreaming about dancing dwarves and working in an elephant factory. You don't question it. Yeah, because like he explains the the details of the, how the elephant factory works. They're like, okay, that's just the world. Mm-hmm. Like you're fine with it. That's uh, I like Murakami. And that, unless you have any parting well, words, I was gonna say I think he is one of those like there's those writers that you can tell he was meant to be a writer because yeah. he can write even like those those ones that we didn't like. He can make it so it's not like boring or yeah under a different person like those could have been a real chore to read. But even yeah. those stories that we didn't enjoy, not a single skip in the bunch. No, no. Even the first person singular, like you, you know, you still wanted to read them because you never know he's gonna throw something fucked up. Yeah, in you didn't, like you know, you just never know. Yeah, like that whole scene with the girl's fucking rotted face. Like I didn't see that coming at all. Nope. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. And I've read most of his work, and I don't remember a scene like that in any of it. So, And shout-out to Jay Rubin for translating that so well. Mm. This has been a longer episode, but we are done for now. We will be back with the Miracle Minute months, Sometime. maybe summertime. Sometime. We got a lot of stuff to do before then, so maybe summertime. Miracle will return. Yes. Until then, this has been a Miracle Minute. Mm-hmm.